Okay, and we're back here with the Goal Line Podcast. So today I'm joined by three very special guests. Uh, one of them is Eric Eisenhut, who is the owner of GK Icon Academies USA. The other is Mark Duffield, who's the head coach of the men's and women's team at Penn State, New Kensington, and Zach Kruger, who is the head women's soccer coach at Seen Hill University. So before uh, you know, I let them get going with the podcast, I just want to give you a brief background on how we all know each other. So first, uh, Mark and I actually met way back when in, I think, the summer of 2012 or 13. After my freshman year, I know that we met at a soccer camp, and a great relationship was formed ever since. He actually uh, first started coaching in the USA back where in the same area that I was in in New Jersey, so it was a small world. Uh, Zach and I actually met this fall just working together at the same university, and Eric and Mark ended up introducing me to Eric, who uh, fortunately employed me with GK Icon, so now I've been uh, working for Eric uh, for, the, for the past few months, so uh, gentlemen, if you don't mind, just please go ahead and uh, say hi to our listeners. Hey, how's it going? How's it going, guys? Glad to be here, Jess. Appreciate the opportunity to speak. Oh, I appreciate that, Eric. So, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll get right into it. So, guys, what was it that made you start coaching? Uh, you know, I'll let whoever wants to go first go first. But what, what kind of drove you into that, into that passion? I'll take the lead on that. It, it, with, when I was, it's one of those things that you either kind of want to help or you're one of those that just is an individual. And I don't know if that's from a, how you're built as a person, but even before I got into coaching, I was working in the, in the corporate world and I always just love to see people succeed as a result of my tutelage. And I, it's just something that it's just innate, at least it was in me. And, and when I left you know, that, that industry and, and started coaching, it was just the perfect transition into the things I love to do. I still love business, but I, I, the coaching piece, I just, I'm now coaching my favorite topic and, and speaking to my favorite topic every day. And it's the best. I, I love it. And it's, you know, just, just follow what you love to do. And, and if, if teaching and, and helping people succeed is, is part of it, try and figure out the best way to accommodate that. And uh, brief, briefly, sorry to interrupt Mark and Zach. Guys, for those of you who don't know, we're all goalkeeper coaches here. Um, so that's, that's something that we all have in common as well. So sorry, uh, Mark, Zach, when do you want to take over? Yeah, I can, I can jump in next. So um, my story is, um, so I was at Chittister College back home in uh, England. Uh, I was also playing at Crawley Town in the youth team system at that time. Um, I was getting to the point where I kind of, I kind of knew I wasn't going to you know, get to the next level. I mean, sometimes you've unfortunately got to admit that you're not good enough to become a professional, but I'd always wanted to stay involved in the game. Uh, so one of my biggest influences is a guy called um, Steve Constantine. He was my coach at just a college. Uh, before he got there, he was actually a coach of the Napoleon national team. He's gone on to manage like India and Mawali. And he's, he's, a, he's a FIFA pro license coach, very very good guy worth reading his book as well but um he keeps saying to me sometimes you're just like mark you know your knowledge of the game and your personality i really think you'd make a good coach and from his words of encouragement that started me on my pathway to coaching i've gone on from there and actually i met him again at the convention in philadelphia a couple of years back and i said to him i said hey thanks steve i just want to let you know that you were the big influence on me starting my coaching career so that's how it all began for me uh, for me, I, I didn't really expect to go into coaching. It wasn't something that I was set out to do from a young age. It was 
something that kind of fell into my lap, so to speak. Um, I was, you know, I, I was really dead set on being a, you know, a, a player at a high level. And uh, my senior year of high school, I ended up really doing a lot of damage to one of my knees and that kind of made me have to sit out for a year. And then I got to see the game from a different perspective and I started to really enjoy the mental side of the game. And um, I was going to go to school to be a teacher. So I kind of just married the two together after I was going through college. I realized that kind of blending of the two was something that I was really passionate about from both angles. So a little bit of, you know, what, uh, what Eric said, uh, you know, getting to see, I was a high school teacher for two years. So I really enjoyed seeing people, um, succeed, but then I also loved the content, um, and marrying the two together could just kind of propel me to go down this pathway. And, um, I've had some really good mentors in my life as well, and they've definitely supported me and helped me learn and, um, they've gotten me to where I'm at now. So very thankful for them. Yeah. You know, you guys, uh, you guys all touched on very, you know, important topics about either having a nice role model, but the, the big thing for me, it's like when you get somebody else to achieve a goal, it's almost more satisfying than seeing yourself do it. Right? When you when you achieve something, you're, you're happy. But when somebody when you get like that text or that call, like my kid made this team, it's all thanks to you. Like, you know, you, you get that you can kind of get chills and, and you feel that sense of accomplishment, even though it's not you. But there's something about that that I feel, you know, same with me. It's like getting somebody else to achieve a goal is is almost achieving. I mean, it is achieving your goal as a coach because that's what we all set out to do. But um, so what was your first job in coaching and what did you learn from it? And did you take for the, for Mark and Zach, especially as head coaches, did you do you take anything from that first experience to how you coach now? Yeah. Um, my first job was with Penn Manor soccer club in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I was 18. Um, I had no clue what I was doing. I was just kind of threw myself into something that was in a local to where I was at college at. Um, so I was still injured at the time. And my coach recommended me just working with like pre-K and K kids. So I just, yeah, I threw myself into it. I learned a lot about myself in that time uh, to be incredibly open-minded, to be able to, to connect with players of all ages. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, I have some funny stories. And it's, it's interesting because um, one of the coaches that I worked with at Penn Manor Soccer Club has kind of gone the same route as me, even though she's, she's a little bit older than me. Uh, but I still talk to her probably on like a weekly basis, um, even to today. So I think, you know, that really told me how to build positive relationships from the beginning, um, getting to meet somebody who's, you know, kind of going the same pathway as me. But um, but yeah, really just to be open-minded about everything and to enjoy what you're doing, you know, and it was a lot of fun. I messed up a lot and I learned from it, which was great. I needed it at that time in my life. And so for me, it goes back to, I was 18 at college. Um, and I, my first coaching role was actually as football in the community. There's a professional team in, in England. And the football in the community is basically, and I was, I'm from Chichester, so I coach in the Chichester area. And basically what, what the job entailed was you'd go out, you'd deliver sessions to um, elementary school age kids, you'd run after school clubs, and you'd also do uh, summer camps. So initially, I mean, I'd love to go back and see Mark, I feel 18 years old, and see what it was like in those first sessions, because uh, I know I've definitely learned so much from that period. I mean, 
they kind of force you to get out of that comfort zone. You've got a coach in front of, you know, could be 20, 30 kids, uh, all different range of abilities. And it definitely makes you become organized um, very, very quickly. But uh, that was my first ever coaching experience. And I definitely um, learned a lot from that time. Yeah, my, my first coaching experience was um, really when, when, I, when I moved here from Boston to Pittsburgh. And I we literally just started just doing training sessions. And it was one of those, like, I had a, uh, a, a, a leap of faith moment, so to speak, where it was this or who knows what. So I just left corporate finance. I knew I wasn't going back. And when I started just training on my own out here, and no one knew me, which is great. I was hard, but that was like also like the biggest challenge I've ever had is trying to accomplish something when no one knows who you are and you have to build that trust. And my, my guidance to people with, with that issue, so to speak, is make sure you're doing what you love to do. Because, you know, the, the first few months of, of running the business, it was literally, I had six locations and, and eight kids or something like that. You know, it was, but it was so much fun. And I think then that just, you know, if you're good at what you do and you love what you do, you know, that success will follow. And, and I think that's the one thing I'd like young coaches to understand is that you're not going to reap rewards immediately. This is a, an industry that, you know, you're just constantly learning constant. You need to love to learn and love to improve to get better at this. And it's, it's one of those things that as long as you're open, uh, open-minded, excuse me, and, and you really have a passion for whatever it is, but, but coaching in particular, you know, you're, you're going to succeed if you're doing it for all the right reasons. And, and I think that's like, you know, just follow that yellow brick road, so to speak. Right. So what, what I'm hearing from you guys in what you're mentioning is, is a lot of kind of like building, I mean, Eric, for you, you had to essentially build your, you build out your goalkeeping business in Pittsburgh. Zach, you talked about building connections and then Mark, you, you start, you're talking about working with, elementary school age kids and especially at that age these kids have to you know love to be around you right because this could be the the highlight of their day so especially in coaching we talk a lot about building connections and building relationships and it's something that I know you three are all very good at because I've had the the privilege to be able to you know while you guys may not know it, but I, I'm I observe you I watch you because I still want to learn from you guys and because you all three are, are very good at building relationships so what's one thing that kind of helps you guys build that, build that trust and that, that connection to help, to help you uh, succeed. I, I think, I think for me, it's actually uh, being yourself. Um, you know, like what you see is what you get. I feel like um, a number of coaches uh, will, um, you know, they'll watch a session, they'll try and replicate what that coach does, even their whole mannerisms. But I feel for me personally, I try and be myself all the time. Um, the way I am in real life is how I tend to coach. You know, I have nice to have a little bit of a joke with the kids and they also know the boundaries and I think they can relate to that. Yeah. I'm, I, I love what you said, Mark, be yourself. Um, and, and the other I'd add to that, it would be, you know, try to try to find win-win situations with people you like to work with. And, and what I mean by that is, if, if everyone's in it for the right reasons and you share the same goal, it, it's not a sales pitch or business. It's just two people going in the exact same direction who have similar thoughts. And with a lot of the people we deal with, our clients at the, at the academy and club level are, are boys and girls under the ages of like 18, 16, 15. Like those are our clients, right? So if they get in the car at their parents and they're complaining about a set, 
that's going to resonate and they're no longer going to be there. Right. But if you have coaches, DOCs and, and everyone's happy and pushing for that same goal, that kid's going to really thrive in that learning environment and get in the car and, and really tell mom and dad, you know, uh, success stories and, and, and how happy they are and seeing improvement hopefully as well. In addition to that. And it just makes quote unquote business a lot, a lot easier when everyone's in it for the, for the same, um, same purpose. So, Seek those people out, network, as we were just discussing. I think the networking piece is a lost art. People are too into text, tech messages, emails. Go out for a cup of coffee. Get, get away from the computer and the screen and, and meet people and be that person that people want to do business with or work with when it comes to a, a solution that you can provide. Yeah, I, I would agree with both of you guys. Um, it's definitely one of the best things to when you find someone else who loves the game and who loves just being themselves and uh, is passionate about educating kids and, and seeing success in other people. And I think it's when you start to surround yourself with people that are all on the same thing. And, and, and like, I don't, I try really hard not to put myself on like a pedestal. I really try to just be in the flow of it, enjoy it in the, in the moment and, and um, you know, work with the people next to me. And, you know, I think that's when you start to build really healthy relationships you know, I'm new to Pittsburgh. I'm still less than a year been out here with you guys. And I'll genuinely say at the beginning of this whole thing, it was a little stressful, but you guys have made things easier for me that, cause I feel more comfortable because I get to do the, what I love around people that are, that work hard and they're really nice. So I think it's, it's, it's a combination of your own attitude plus, you know, work and surrounding yourself with people that are going to make you better, but also can make you feel comfortable. Yeah, I mean, no, absolutely. And especially too, because I think, you know, people can can kind of see through you, right? If you're not being your authentic self, if you're trying to, you know, just make somebody else feel good, because that's what you think they want, and you're not really being yourself, they see through you. And I think short term, you, you might see the benefit of a relationship, but long term, it, it's not really a recipe for success. So, you know, going back to what Mark said, Mark, I agree. I mean, you are hundred percent authentically yourself, you know, every time that, that I see you and I, you know, I really admire that. And I, I try to, I try to do that too. And I try to give people the same, the same Jesse every time that uh, I step into a room or I'm on the phone, but so let, let's carry that over to a new level. So I, I failed to mention that Eric is also the goalkeeping coach at Robert Morris university. And let, let's talk about being at the college level and, how important it is to be your authentic self when either you're recruiting or just being being a coach every day. I mean, there's so many different levels to to being a college coach. And, you know, what's one thing that you guys think you, you do pretty well at, to, to keep yourself in that position and to build kind of that uh, culture at your universities? Can I speak to the recruiting piece real quick? Please. What I would say for, for, for kids is, is like, being a parent and also really having a deep understanding of the college game and the commitment level at all divisions, and they vary, but you need to have an effective communication. You, excuse me, you as a coach need to effectively communicate with the parents that you're going to be an influence on, your, on their kids um, for the next four years, a very, very strong influence. And, you know, you're dealing with that parent's two most prized possessions. You're dealing with their, um, their, their child and, and you're dealing with their money. And you, the, uh, coaches need to realize that. And I, and I think that when they can show that you're in it or the coach is in it for the good of the, the student, the goalkeeper, 
um, you know, that goes a long way with parents and, and you, it seems to resonate a lot stronger in addition to what you can provide, the school can provide and the soccer team can provide. But, you know, those, that coaching staff is with that, that child for four years um, pretty much every day. And they're, they're a major influence in that kid's life growing up. And if you can, you know, communicate that effectively to the parent that, you know, you're that proper influence, you're going to get, um, you're going to be very successful in, in your recruiting philosophy. Duff, you want to you want to touch on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I must say, like uh, recruiting is one of my one of my favorite things. By the way, I I do love the uh, the recruitment visits. Um, you know, I always say, like again, I feel like um, the best asset for me is to believe in what you're. No, I don't. I don't like to say the word selling. I think that's the wrong word. But you got to believe in your school and believe in the education which it provides. Um, you know, and be genuine and also you know, uh, speak to the parents, like Eric said, like the big thing for me is, you know, you're a student athlete, uh, student first, athlete comes seconds. If you look at the um, percentages, there's a very low, a very, very, very low percentage of people make it into the uh, professional game. But what we can do as college coaches influence these uh, guys and girls in their adult life. Um, you know, so for me, it's like making, you know, I try and make every uh, visit uh, personal, just about that one player, uh, when we get in for, for when we get to practice, is to make everyone feel in a professional environment. And as little things like for me is I obviously I coach at the Penn State branch campus. So before I got there, guys would roll up in you know different style tees. It could be school A, school B, but now we have Pacific training uniforms, and it kind of brings them together. It's that culture, it's that philosophy that we are Penn State New Kensington. We are a team. And then people buy into that philosophy of being a team, you know, underneath that Penn State New Kensington uh, banner. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they both summed it up really well in the recruiting aspect of things and how important it is for you to also recruit the parents, not just recruiting the kid. Um, I think we all can go out and identify really good players, but you need to identify the right type of people that you're bringing into your program. So that kind of meshes into the culture piece that you were talking about, Jesse, is that you know, culture takes a long time to build, you know, it's one of the best piece of advice I've ever been told um, by my, you know, my, my mentors, they were like, listen, you're going to go into a situation that may not be great right away. You're, you're going to take over a program that, you know, may not have won a game that entire season. You never know what you're walking into. Um, but the most important thing is, is the people that are in that program, not winning and losing. It's, yeah, I mean, what you're going to get judged on winning and losing, but that's just part of your job. But at the same time, you have to understand that the most important thing is the people that are involved directly into that program. So that means your players, your assistant coaches, your athletics like department, you know, your athletic trainers, anyone that impacts that program is, is, is important to you. And you got to be building those positive relationships as much as possible to build that culture. Uh, you have to have the vision to get to where you want it to go. But the first thing is to take care of those people and to make sure that they all are bought into you and, and they care about you and, you know, you, and you're showing that you, that you care about them. Um, my, my, co my previous coach, uh, head coach when I was assistant told me that culture takes so long to build, but it takes seconds to crumble. Right. So if, if you're building something, you better take care of it or it can crumble pretty quickly. Can, can um, I jump in there for yes, one second? Please, please. I love that. Yeah, I was, Zach. I, Zach, I love what you just said about the timing of building a culture versus the time of how quickly it can crumble. And, and, you know, one thing that I think a lot of clubs um, 
could improve upon is actually having a mission statement that I think in a vision statement, like here's what we're going to do and here's how we're going to do it. And I think even from just a personal perspective, I think everyone needs to have that like understanding of themselves and what they can bring to the table when they're having those conversations. Um, but when you're trying to build that culture, you know, you need to be very sensitive to that and, and never stray from what you're, what you believe in. And that's, that's not only team by team, but person by person, like you need to make sure that you're treating that U8GK, you know, with, with the same moral compass that you would an U18 player. And, and, you know, how you treat them obviously is going to vary because what you can say to a U18 player versus a U8 is obviously different, but that moral compass needs to always be the same. You know, we're going to be intense. We're going to have fun. We're going to work hard. And, and we're going to enjoy the grind of getting better every day. And, and if people can buy into that philosophy, that's your moral compass, right? And, and how, again, how you do it is going to be different based on the ages and the, in the development of that player. But again, I think sticking to that and never going away from, from those key elements is, is very important from, for, for, uh, for creating a, a very successful culture. No, absolutely. It's almost like identifying core values uh, yeah. and having a definition with that core value. Yeah. So that was, that was actually going to be my very next question was, what are your core values, right? Because, you know, every culture need, needs a, a base. You need a backbone. So those backbones, in my opinion, are the core values. So you all coach at different levels. So let's, uh, let's hear those core values of, of your, each team. I'll quickly dismiss mine because I feel like I literally just said them. And that's from U18 right. to all the way to my college kids. Yep. We're, we're going to work our tail off and we're going to be very intense, but we're also going to have fun. We're going to enjoy the grind because it's going to be a grind. You know, you're going to do things on a daily basis from a goalkeeping perspective that, you know, it might be the same thing and you might, it's monotonous, but at the same time, you've got to enjoy and love doing that. And, and just, there's going to be different variations, but the overall philosophy needs to be the same. And, and I think that hardworking mentality, being intense and looking to improve is, is vital to, um, to your culture. Well, hold on. So let, let, before Mark and Zach go, what does hard work mean to you, Eric? And what does it, what do you want it, what do you want your keepers? How do you want to portray that to your keepers? Yeah. Hard, hard work to me is when somebody is open to crit, not criticism, open to, being coached and changing things and putting a hundred percent into every session, you know, treating men mentally treating and preparing yourself to work your tail off in every session and do whatever the coach asks, ask questions, be engaged, um, get out of your comfort zone and be comfortable outside your comfort zone. And because that's where the growth happens. And I think if you can develop that trust with a, a player or a coach, it's an amazing relationship. It really is. And I'm blessed to have that with a lot of my goalkeepers. I, I love it, especially with, and, and with, with some of you guys, like it's, it's, that's no different. Um, it, it's just keeping it consistent and, and keeping that same thought around hard working and the definition of it, Jesse is, is very important because that that's not going to change from age group to age group, but again, how you do it will. Did you guys, by the way, hear that, hear that clap in the background? That, that's how passionate he is about, about this topic and about goalkeeping. I love it, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Always pat himself on the back, is he there? Not a, I must admit, I think that was Zach clapping. That was not me. Oh, okay. oh I, th I, thought you were, I thought you were giving the, the clap, like, we're, we're going to work our tail off the whole entire time. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, 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 I really, love it, though. I, I, love it. I, I am getting the goosebumps you were talking about earlier today. <laughs> I, I, love, I love this topic. Very passionate about it, as I yeah. know we are. And um, yeah, I, I love hearing what you guys do and learn from you guys as well. So, sorry. So anyway, back to the core values, Mark, Zach. 
Mark, you can go ahead. Oh, thanks, Zach. I mean, uh, a lot of what Eric says, I can, you know, I believe in too. I mean, the hard work and aspects, I believe, you know, from a college perspective, we just go there, you know, from a team, you know, I believe that, if, you know, you need need to start off by, you, you arrive at practice. If your practice starts at eight o'clock, you're there ready to go by 7.45. Um, wait, 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 sorry. I got to interrupt because I love that because there's, it was Nick Saban that, that put out a quote. It was, you know, just showing up on time just shows that you care. And it, it's something as little as showing up on time just shows that you care. So my, being on time is a huge pet peeve. So glad you said that. Sorry, keep going. Honestly, that's, that's one of my huge ones, huge ones too. And all the guys will know they will be there at least 15 minutes beforehand. They know that that's one of the things. And it's, it's also seeing things, seeing things through. So as a top man, as a head coach, you know, when a coach will say, okay, hey, Eric, or the team, guys, you know, everyone's got to be here by 7.45. If you show up at, you know, 7.50, you're late and you won't play the next game, right? And that works. But then suddenly the best player on the team rolls up at 7.51. And then suddenly it becomes lenient. And the other guys go, well, hey, if it's all right for Eric to show up at 7.51, it must be okay for me to show up at 51. I feel like then your values and everything kind of goes downhill. So whatever your values are, like for me, is that, is that timekeeping is a huge thing for me. You've got to stick to it, whether it's player number one or it's player number 16. You've got to see all of your things through. Big thing for me is motivation. I mean, I'll tell you what I got. I'm feeling goosebumps in from Eric, Eric's passion. He makes me want to go out there and start throwing the ball in the back garden. You know, I do like to motivate the players. You know, a couple of Rocky Balboa miracles once or twice. Um, but a big thing for me, like I said, hard work and good timekeeping. Love it. Love it. Zach? Yeah, I've actually, um, you know, with the program that I've uh, taken over this past year, I had to kind of go through this process of uh, starting over with the core values that this program kind of believed in and what the players believed in uh, from the previous coach to me. So I've been going through this process a lot lately. Uh, me as a person, I believe in work hard and be nice. I think if you're doing those two things, you're you're doing something right. Um, but from a player's perspective in a program, I think not only that you have to be you know work hard and be nice. I think it's about you know character, right? You have to develop character. Um, and, and one thing we are really big on in our program uh, is that is is to develop internal leadership uh, as a staff. Our, one of our huge goals is to develop internal leadership. You can't win and die by superstars. So we have to be from top to bottom, all on the same page, caring about each other, being one big family. Um, everyone's voice matters. So these are all part of, these are all some of our core values. Uh, because I mean, honestly, people with tremendous character, you know, integrity and compassion, those are the people that are gonna hold your team together. You cannot hold your team together, just you. I, I think that's one thing that coaches struggle with uh, in, in times of transition or, uh, or if they just, overly are involved in some things, you know, you have to develop that internal leadership so that some of your players hold the program together, not just you. Um, you know, for me, we, I walked into a program that was uh, in, in a really good spot. We lost two incredibly good players and now we're back to a spot where we have to you know, kind of rebuild. And yes, this internal leadership is what's going to get us through and uh, to, to bring up uh, the type of program that I, that I want. Um, so that, that's kind of our, our big thing is, is that internal leadership plus encouraging our players to be courageous. Leadership is not easy. 
you know, developing that leadership is not easy, but encouraging your leaders of your program to be courageous in moments that are uncomfortable uh, and getting them to use their voice because it is powerful it is more meaningful to me than anything else. Because once, once players see that and they can leave with something like that, they're not afraid to go out and go after a job that they may be a little nervous for. You know, they may be able to speak up against a guy who is um, maybe a little bit meaner to her uh, than, than, you know, what she should be with. Uh, just, I think, in, in empowering them to be courageous at times is, is that leadership that we're trying to develop. So how... Zach, I, I love what you just said. And, and I think we talked about this not too long ago, but the good coaches, it, compared to get to that great level, you need to bring life lessons into your coaching style. And that's being punctual. That that's going to happen in, in business. That's going to happen with relationships and meeting up with people. You just be courteous of other people's times, you know, and I, I tell coaches all the time, don't waver on that. If, if session starts at eight, you start at eight, you know, don't wait three minutes and don't punish the prudent, you know, people there, people respect it. You follow their lead, not the people who are showing up late, but again, life lessons. I'm a big fan of that, Zach. I love what you just said right there. Thanks, so what, how do how do you create in that? And like, how do you encourage and empower those people on your team, whether they're a freshman or a senior, just to to be a leader? Because you know, I agree 100 percent with you that that internal leadership, essentially, which is player buy-in to your philosophy and to your values, is going to lead to to championship teams. So, how, like, yeah. how are you know? Is it people that maybe you see recruiting and they just have it, or how do you develop that as a coach? Yeah, it's it's difficult, man. It really is. It's it's about opportunities. You got to find the right opportunity to teach that, you know, student athlete in. So um, for us, we have a quote that we attach to this internal leadership as a staff. It's uh, you know, you're always going to have opportunities to turn things around. You may see a bad situation and you shy. You may be shy or reluctant to say or do anything. But a leader, but a leadership moment is being presented to you. You don't have to do anything, but if you do, you are a leader. So it's not about um, consistently pushing someone to be a captain. This is what it means to be a captain. Like that's just breaking the surface. You right. know, there, there could be moments where um, there's a halftime talk and I'm going to go, Hey, I'm going to give you guys eight minutes to go talk to your team, to your team, not my team, your team. And then I'll come down and we'll talk for three minutes with me being there about what you guys want to do and how you guys want to handle this. Cause it's not all about like me giving them all the answers. Um, they have to be able to, you know, come to, you know, possible solutions on their end on their own. So it's really about almost taking a step back and providing opportunities for them to lead. And some coaches, they don't realize it, but they take away those opportunities by controlling everything. Yeah. Duff, Eric, anything you want to add about just kind of creating that internal leadership? No, just don't vary. Just stick with, stick with your, I love what Zach was saying. I have nothing to add to that. He hit it right on the head, man. Well done. I've been reading a lot about this stuff lately. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been reading, Zach? Oh man, I love uh, Anson Dorrance. So I've been, I just read Vision of a Champion by Anson Dorrance. It talks okay. about like him working with like Cindy Parlo and uh, Mia Hamm and like the older girls. And it is just, there's just, it's just gold. I mean, it's just everything in there is about, you know, gestures of respect and what, what is tolerated, what's not tolerated. Like all those type of standards that they set um, that help them build to what they are now. And it's just, it's so you know moving to me to see a group of people that can come together and be so powerful for for so long, in, you know in this uh, in, in this arena. So it's 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 really good read. I know Eric, we were talking the other day about some books, and I I, I can't wait to read some more because this stuff's really you know it's really good. It's really I'm really passionate about it. And it's, it's how you get to to be like you said a great coach. So 
it's not always about knowing the X's and O's, but it's also about being able to to read up and, and learn about leadership and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think like, you know, think about AK in theory, right? In any sport, look at American football, use that as well. Like when someone would say, you know, Alabama has the number one ranked class in the, in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Do you, are you guaranteed to win everything if you have all the best players and all the best positions, right? Now, on, on paper, you should win, should win, right? But are they the right personalities to follow your culture? Right. You know, if you, if you look at in, in soccer, for example, when you think of Chelsea, right? Who do you think of? Oh man, I don't think of. Give me when I say Chelsea. What's the first player that comes to your head? Uh, Terry. Who? John Terry. (laughs) John Terry. We'll talk about the team right now as well. The team right now. Okay, so someone someone might say Hazard back in the day, right? Okay, well, one of the guys that does all the work is Conte. You know what I mean? Like you see all these other people get spoken about. Behind the scenes guy. And he's the one, and he's the one doing all the work. John Terry, John Terry was the one that got everyone together, you know. So sometimes I feel like some of the best players are so the best players aren't necessarily the ones that are most skilled, but they're also ones that do the little jobs so they can also bring people together, mm-hmm. as well. And I think as a coach, it's identifying not necessarily just the best talent, but also the best person type who can bring everyone together. Yeah, yeah. man. Two two of my captains. We have four captains right now. Two of them are players who don't play a whole lot but they do a heck of a good job of, of keeping the positive attitude and bringing people together. Yeah, I think people are too obsessed about having, okay, the captain has to be the four best players. I've got to keep Zach and Eric happy. I'm going to give them the, give them the armband. But are they necessarily the, just they might be great players, but are they great people? And I think that comes from a coach being like strong and realizing who the true leaders are and putting everyone in the correct position to make that puzzle complete. Yeah, I think coaches sometimes make mistakes with their with who they give the armband to based on stats and not on the true what's happening in the locker room impact. 100%. Absolutely. No, I love you guys have made phenomenal points. So as we wrap up, let's hear uh, the best, or I guess, well, I mean, Zach, you touched on it a little bit, but one of the best pieces of advice you were, you were given uh, as you guys made your ranks through the coaching realm and then, you know, how, how did it help you kind of grow? Yeah, I can, I'll start there. I mean, I had, as you guys know, I've, I've had the luxury and just luck of, of working under and with the likes of Tony DiCicco and Danny Gaspar, and both were very similar in what they've said. Tony's famous quote, you know, coach him being good, you know, catch him being good. And, and it, that's, a, if you know a lot about Tony, you know, that's a change in his philosophy as he grew in his coaching roles as well. So, you know, hearing that and understanding how, how successful he was based on that change of philosophy is remarkable. And Dan's very similar to, to the, some of the things that we talked about earlier in regards to, you know, be hard, but, but be very, very, stay in line. Like, don't fall out of your lane. Stick to what you believe in and, and be kind, like Jack was saying earlier. And, and if you know Dan, that's him. You know, he's, he's very sincere. He's very passionate, but, but he doesn't take any crap. And I, I, I love that about how his approach to the game. And I've learned a lot on those two and, and a lot of their disciples as well. You know, my, my, again, as simple as I said earlier on, is be true to yourself. I remember I was, I was working, I was actually, I was on a course, actually, sorry, and one of these uh, um, instructors started speaking to me. And I, I got really nervous in the, you know, in the exam part. You know what happens sometimes. And you, you act, sometimes you act up, you're being like a bloody uh, statue. And you're not being true to yourself. You're just trying to do exactly very robotic. And he just pulled me aside afterwards. He goes, hey, Mark, you know, like, where, where's Mark gone? I was like, what do you mean? 
he goes, well, this is not the mark I've seen, you know, for the rest of the week. You've been very, you know, lively, joking, etc. In your coaching style, be yourself. Don't be afraid to be yourself when you coach as well. Don't try and be someone you're not. Don't try and be something you're not. Always be true to yourself. And that kind of stuck with me. And I've always kind of incorporated that ever since. Zach, take us home here, kid. Yeah, um, man, honestly, I've had so many good pieces of advice. I'm still young myself. I, you know, I'm, I'm just turning 30, so it's, I'm still learning all the time. And that was my biggest thing um, that I've always tried to pride myself in was just consistently be a sponge. Um, my mother-in-law is, is, a, is a tennis coach, and she's been coaching tennis for, at the college level for, man, like, all, you know, years. And um, she, she just always told me, like, never stop learning. The moment you feel like you're, you know it all or you should, you know, feel like you can, you've done enough to not have to continue to educate yourself, that's when you should hang it up. So I've just always just taken pride in trying to continue to learn and learn more about the game, learn more about people, how to connect with people, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just so critical to, to a coach's success, especially at a younger age. Uh, sorry, I just jumped in. I said the best coaches are the ones that do always change with the times. You know, soccer is an ever-evolving game, like the position of the goalkeeper as well. You just, if the coaches now carried on coaching like they were like 20, 30 years ago, they would totally struggle. Always continue to learn and adapt to the way the game is. Be true to yourself, but from a coaching side, always adapt and always learn. Always try and watch from someone. doesn't matter who you're watching. Always try and get something from someone. Love it. Love it. Well, gentlemen, whew, that was awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I know I learned a lot. I hope. Our listeners will take something from this. Uh, and again, you can go ahead and follow GK Icon uh, Academies. Make sure you stay tuned. We got big things coming here in the Pittsburgh area uh, for the four of us here. So again, guys, thank you and uh, take care. Thanks very much. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate it.